connecting with us. In just a moment, Pastor Jeff will be sharing an uplifting and encouraging message that we pray will inspire you in your walk with God. Our desire at MOFPHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that He will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. Game time. Game time. I love game time. You know, uh, not many, many years ago, but when I was a, a little boy growing up, the, uh, I was going through school and I always had a love for the game called football. How many of y'all love football? All right, we got some great football fans here. You know, I had a dream growing up when I was a little boy that I wanted to grow up and I wanted to go play football in the NFL. I wanted to play for the New York Jets because they needed some help. <laughs> but you know what the problem was? I didn't have no talent. <laughs> and I only weighed about 125 pounds. But you know, I've always enjoyed football. I've always loved the game. I've always loved the NFL. I don't watch the NFL much no more because it's become so political. I hardly even watch any of the NFL games, but I really love college football, and I really, really, really love high school football. How many of y'all know who my favorite team would be? The North Duplin Rebels. All right. Once a rebel, always a rebel. Do we have any rebels in the house? Yes. And I know some of you may not understand because my wife didn't understand this thing. She grew up, went to Southern Wayne. She was a saint, married a rebel. And... and yeah, bless her heart. <laughs> but she went to, I remember her going to the first North Duplin football game and there was actually people at this game versus the, I'm not trying to knock Southern Wayne, but I'm just telling you, it's a little different world at North Duplin. And there's people everywhere and they're screaming and yelling. It might be somebody that's 80 years old, somebody that's uh, eight years old and they're screaming and they're cheering on for the rebels, the rebels, the rebels. It's just a different atmosphere. I want to tell you that. When you're there on Friday night and those lights are on and, and uh, the big green runs out onto the field, there were, there's just some excitement in the air. I remember as a little boy watching people like uh, Jimmy Coley run out there on the field playing football. And I remember growing up, I want to be like Jimmy. I want to be like Jimmy because he was trucking people. But there's just something special about being out there under those lights, and last year, watching number 25 run on the field, that was my son. He would run on the field, didn't play a whole lot, but he ran out there. <laughs> and then just a couple of years ago, the North Duplin Rebels went to the state championship, and we had just a, a miraculous season all the way through. I mean, we made it, we, we landed at the state championship. Sadly, we lost at the state championship, but here's what was so wonderful. You know, leading up to that game, there was so much rebel hype. People had signs in their yards, and, and people everywhere you went were talking about rebel football, rebel football. There was just excitement. Listen, when it's game time for the rebels, I don't care if it's the state championship or a regular game, there's some excitement in there. And here's how it hit me. I was thinking, if we can get that excited for a football game, why can't we get that excited for Jesus Christ? Come on. Hallelujah. Why can't we get that excited for Jesus? Why can't, oh, listen, do we really get excited about serving the Lord? Do we really get excited about coming to church and making a difference for the kingdom of God? 
Listen, do we really get excited? Do we really care about people all around us that are dying and going to hell? Come on, friend. We get all hyped up for a football game, but can we get hyped up for Jesus? We'll get hyped up. Listen, it don't take much. Now, I love to worship. I love to sing. I can't sing and I can't dance, but I love to do it. But I love a good worship song. I love praising the Lord. How many of you love praising the Lord? Come on. He's been good to us. We love praising the Lord. We get excited about a word from a pitiful pastor. But let me ask you this. Do we ever get excited about the vision and the mission God has placed on his people here at this church? God's mission for us is to uh, be able to seek the lost and serve the suffering and share life together. Did you realize, listen, I got some slides. If you can keep up with me, that'll be great. If not, it's okay. That right here in a five-mile radius, there's 3,000 unchurched or unsaved people right here in a five-mile radius from our steeple. Do we really get excited about trying to reach them for the Lord? Come on, church. Or are we just coasting along, waiting until we ride on out to heaven and then we'll make it? And if nobody, listen, we just can't help what everybody else is doing. No, God has called us and given us a vision and a mission to seek the lost, serve the suffering, and share life together. I get excited about the vision. I get excited about the mission. You know why? Because there's times when it gets tough and it gets hard, and that's the only thing you can look to that'll keep you going in life. So, Lord, help us today to make sure that we get excited about serving the Lord and get excited about sharing Jesus Christ with people, especially those that are lost all around us. You know what God's game is for us, right? God's game is that we preach the gospel and we make disciples of all nations. And it's not just the preacher's job, it's everybody's job. So I want to just take us to a story here in the Bible that I believe will help encourage us today. And it's found in Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah. Now, I'm not going to cover all the chapters today. I'm going to try to stay in chapter 1 and chapter 2 the best I can. But I need you to pray for me because it's hard to do that. In chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Nehemiah, we open up there and we see that God's people, uh, they have been uh, exiled away and then they're returning back to their homeland. And the people there, God's people, uh, they're living in despair. They're, they're, they're defeated. The city has been destroyed. The Bible tells us, I'll read it in just a few minutes, that the walls have crumbled, the gates are on fire, and the people are living in despair. They're in trouble. And God needed a game changer. God needed somebody to step up and make a difference, and that somebody was Nehemiah. Can you say Nehemiah? Nehemiah was the person God was looking for, somebody that would come off the sidelines and get in the game, and that was Nehemiah. And here's what's so fascinating about Nehemiah, the one that came off the sidelines and got in the game for God. He was not a preacher. He was not a prophet. He was not a priest. You know what he was? He was a cupbearer to the king. In other words, he was a butler. This man right here, this man that had a passion to get in the game and make a difference for God, he was a butler. And that should tell us today that, listen, God can use ordinary people to use us to accomplish his plan and purpose. It, it just amazes me that God would use a butler to save a nation. 
He would use somebody that would stand up and say, you know what, Lord, I'm only a butler. I'm only a truck driver. I'm only a teacher. I'm only a nurse. I'm, I'm only a clerk, whatever. But somebody that would stand up and say, Lord, use me. Lord, send me. I want to get in the game so I can make a difference, God. Glory to God. Nehemiah, he was the most valuable player. He was the MVP because he was at the right place at the right time. He was at the right place at the right time. And I want to remind you, God's people today, listen to me. God wants to use you because you're at the right place and you're at the right time. It's 2019, it's game time, and God wants to use you to do something great in these last days. You could have been born at any time in history, but God has got you here. It's the right place and the right time, and God wants to use you. Do you believe that today? Well, God can't use me. I'm just an ordinary. I don't care. He used the butler to save a nation. He can use any of us in here today if we'll just say, Lord, I want to be a game changer. And that's what Nehemiah did. You look around at the world that we live in today, and I ask you one question. Is there not a cause for us to stand up for? Come on, Fred. Is there, is there not a reason for us to want to make a difference for God in the world that we live in today? That like Nehemiah, it's our time. Listen, it's our time to rise up. Friend, listen to me. I don't care who you are, what your past is. It's time for you to rise up and uh, step up and get in the game so God can use you. You can be a voice of truth in a world of lies and confusion. You can be a light to a lot of people that are living in darkness. You can be a game changer. How many of you want to be a game changer for God? I know I do. Come on, church. I want to be a game changer. And Nehemiah was a game changer because God had given him, you can say, a vision or a mission for the people of God. The Bible says that where there is no vision, the people will perish. But God gave this man a vision for his homeland and for the people. So for the next few minutes, I want to just walk you through a few verses here, and you can go back later on tonight and read them that will encourage us to be game changers. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, let me read this to you. This is talking about the burden that came on Nehemiah for his people and his homeland. And man, I hope that we're all burdened for our people. I hope we're burdened for all people. I hope we're burdened for this nation that we live in. I hope you're burdened for this community that we live in right now. There's a lot of people that need Jesus. Come on, amen. So in Nehemiah chapter 1, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, that really is between November, around November, December, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hananiah, which was Nehemiah's brother, came to him from Judah. You see, some people had already, the, the exile took place in like three different stages. Some people were uh, returning back to their homeland now in stages, and Nehemiah was still in exile. He was still in captivity, but some had already made it back to their homeland. So his brother comes back, and when he comes back, Nehemiah, he says, I questioned them. I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And this is what they said to me. Those who survived the exile and are back are in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broke down and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, Nehemiah said, he said, I sat down and I began to weep. I began to weep because of the condition of the people in my community. I began to weep because of the condition of the nation. 
And for some days, he said, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He was burdened. He was burdened. He had a burden that God had placed in his heart. This butler had a burden. And then we read in Nehemiah chapter 2, just a few verses here. This is where the mission comes in from God. The burden begins and then the mission comes. The burden and then the mission. The burden and then the mission. And he said to the king, talking about the king he was serving therefore as cupbearer. May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it that you want, Nehemiah? And then he said, I pray to the God of heaven. Isn't it funny that he went to the king of kings and lord of lords before he went to that king? He knew in the power of prayer. He says, if it pleases the king and your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried. Here we go. So that I can rebuild it. So I can rebuild it. That was the mission. That was the vision that he could build back something that had been torn down and be used by God. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. God, may this word and the story of the life of Nehemiah, a game changer, may it just uh, really just speak to all of us here today, God, in a powerful way. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Nehemiah, he was burdened. He had a mission to go and rebuild the city. He wanted to be a game changer. And there's some qualities that we can learn from Nehemiah's life. This is where I want to spend the next few minutes. These qualities that we can learn from in Nehemiah's life that will help us carry out God's vision and God's mission and assignment for our life. Here they are. There's three of them. You can write them down. I got them on the screen. Very simple. Game changers are compassionate. Game changers are confident. And game changers are courageous. They are compassionate, confident, and courageous. Nehemiah was compassionate. He was compassionate. That burden, that, that willingness to ask, how are things going with the people? How was the people doing in the nation? It was driven from compassion. He was burdened by the bad situation and the news of the people and what they were going through. And this is how the Lord spoke to me. It was, it was the compassionate burden in his life that birthed a vision that would move Nehemiah to get in the game and be a game changer. You're, you're never going to move. You're never going to do anything for God if you're not burdened with compassion for people. You got to have compassion if you want to be a game changer. Compassion is what caused Nehemiah to get in the game. And I will say it again. Listen to me, please. You will never be a game changer without compassion. You got to have God's compassion in your life. That's why Paul tells us in the scriptures to wake up daily and clothe ourselves with compassion. Are you waking up every day and putting on the compassion of God? Paul tells us later in Ephesians, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, God, through Christ, God has forgiven you. Be kind to one another, love one another, and the greatest example of all is Jesus Christ. We can read through the Gospels and we see in the Gospels that when Jesus would go through the crowds, the Bible says what? He had compassion on them. Jesus had compassion on people. Do you have compassion for people? I wish I could follow y'all to Walmart today in the parking lot and find out. Do you have compassion for people? 
Jesus had compassion on people that were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Do you have compassion for people? I ask you again, do we really have compassion knowing that people all around this steeple are dying every day and going to hell? Do we really care? Preacher, do you really care? Council member, staff member, church member, I don't care who you are. Do you really care that people are dying every day and going to hell? Do we have compassion for these people? Do we really have compassion for the hopeless? Do we really have compassion for people that are hurting today? People who are walking through those doors. People who are walking throughout our community. Do we really have compassion and do we really care and are we really concerned that they're walking around hopeless? Man, so many people wanting to take their life today. Do we really have compassion for those? Do we really have compassion for broken families? Man, I, Jesus and Lord, do you know how many broken families are all around this church right now where the devil has come in and tried to rob and steal and destroy marriages? Do we really have a compassion for these broken families, a compassion that will be a burden that will cause us to want to go do something to help them? God Almighty, do we have compassion? Do we have compassion for the addicts? The ones that are struggling in addiction? Do you know that before I could get home from Florida, I had already gotten news of two people in our area that had OD'd on heroin? Do we really care? Do we really have a compassion to want to help these people that are, that are, in, that are in addiction? The ones that are homeless, that are living on the streets? Do we have compassion for the sick? Oh, I got one for you. Do we really have compassion for the young women and the young men all across this nation who are being sold into sex slavery? Some of it's happening right here in our own backyard. We heard it from the lady herself. Compassion, God. Nehemiah had compassion. He had compassion. He had compassion. And that compassion caused him to want to get in the game. And listen, if we're going to be game changers, if we're going to come off the sidelines, if we're going to come out of the stands and get in the game and help people meet their needs, we got to have the compassion of God. And that's why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. It's love. How in the world are we going to have compassion for these people? You can't do it on your own. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because he helps us to have that compassion. Glory to God. Yeah, go ahead and say thank you, Jesus, for that love. It's hot up here. It's hot outside. But it could always be worse. Listen, we got to have compassion for the lost and we got to have compassion for the hopeless and the suffering and we need God's compassion to do it. I, my prayer is, God, give us more compassion for Wayne County. God, give us more compassion for Duplin County. Give us more compassion for our local schools, the students and the teachers. God, give us compassion for the state of North Carolina. Give us compassion for this nation. Give us compassion for all the people in all the world right now. Help us not to be the ones always pointing and hating and being mean and being ugly. Help God's people to share the love of God to all people all around us. So much violence. If we've ever needed compassion, it's the day that we live in now. Come on. We need to have the compassion of God. 
I thank God I was praying about this message and I was like getting real happy, you know, because I'm thankful for the love of God because it's the love of God that really tore down some walls in my life and opened me up where I could just receive the grace of God and my whole life could be changed through what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. And I thank God, I was like, thank God that Pastor Doug Bartlett was moved with compassion and shared the love of Jesus Christ with me. Thank God he was moved with a compassion that came from God. He could have been anywhere else in the world, but God moved him with compassion to share the love of God with me. And I think about you right here, every one of you sitting here. Don't you just thank God that somebody came to you that was moved with compassion and shared the love of God with you? Aren't you grateful for that person? Praise the Lord. I thank God that somebody was moved with compassion and reached Johnny Kennedy with the love of God. I'm thankful that somebody was moved with compassion and reached Danny Keel with the love of God. I'm thankful somebody was moved with compassion and reached Willie Powell with the love of God. I'm thankful somebody was moved with compassion and reached Tony Jones with the love of God. Listen, all of us have been touched that are saved and born again by the love of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He said, for God so loved the world. How in the world can God love the world? He does it through the church. And we're to show compassion. And we need compassion. The Bible says to walk in love. Walk in love. No, don't just talk it up. Oh, the pastor, he's talking it up. No, walk in love. Walk in love. When you go to Walmart today, when you go to El Mazalon today, when you're going down the, the road down here today and it all goes into one lane and somebody runs you off the road, walk in love. Walk in love. Walk in love. Man, I hit a nerve there, didn't I? <laughs> we might better park there a minute. Walk in love, walk in love. The Bible says do everything in love, do everything in love. Listen, we tell them the truth because we love them. I'm grateful somebody loved me enough to tell me the truth that I was a sinner and I was lost and I needed Jesus to come and save me and forgive me of my sins. We love God and we love people. We love God and we love people. Nehemiah, listen to this. His compassion moved him to pray and fast with confidence. He was not only a compassionate man, but that compassion led him to pray to God with confidence. He knew it was game time. This man knew it was game time. The walls have crumbled. The gates are on fire. The people are in distress. It's game time. And you know what? Before I do anything at all, before I even move at all, I need to go to God in prayer. I need to seek the Lord because prayer was a priority and prayer needs to be a priority in our life too. If you're going to succeed in life, friend, listen to me. If you're going to succeed in making a difference in the kingdom of God, it's all going to start by making time to pray and seek the face of God. I remember, and I'm sure anybody here that's played any kind of sports, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, I know uh, Tony Jones can probably relate. Right before we would go out onto the field for a game, uh, we would gather in a little group and we would always repeat the Lord's Prayer together before we would go out onto the field in a, in a football game. I'll be honest with you, I had no idea what I was praying. I was just reciting some things that I was being led in. All I know is I was hoping that whoever was up there in charge would give us a win and nobody would get hurt. 
I didn't really know what prayer was, but I know what prayer means to me now, and I know what prayer meant to Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, when he prayed, he prayed with confidence, depending on God to be the one to give him the game plan strategy to be able to accomplish the mission. Listen, God has the plan for your life. Not any man, not any person. God has it for your life. And that's where that comes in at is through prayer and through reading the word of God. You hear his voice and he leads you. I know I keep referencing football here, but how many of y'all know that in a, in a football game, the majority of the time now, the coach on the sidelines who's down on the field, he's not even the one calling in the plays. There's somebody that's sitting way up high. Mm sitting way up high who's got an overall view of the game that can see what the opponent's doing, see how people are moving, and he can call down the plays right into the helmet of the, uh, the player or either another coach on the sidelines, and then he sends in the play. And it just reminded me, friend, we have somebody that sits up a lot higher than we do. He's got a better view than we got, and he's sending down a better strategy than we could ever come up with, and his name is Jesus, and he's praying for you today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And we need to put our confidence in him. We need to put our confidence in him. I remember that devotion. It just came to my mind, Miss Robin, about the control tower. Always go to the control tower to get the directions you need before you start to take off. Listen, there's somebody sitting up high right now who has a perfect game plan on how we can reach our community. And we need to put our confidence in Jesus. Not in some kind of program, not in any kind of strategy that we may come up with, but we need to pray and seek God for the strategy that he has for us. Hebrews 4.16 says this, let us therefore approach the throne of grace with confidence. Say confidence. We can go to the Lord in prayer with confidence. Listen, with confidence that God, he's gonna hear us and we will receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Listen, Nehemiah was confident that God was gonna be there to help him. He was confident that through prayer that God was going to make a way for his plans to succeed. Listen, I know the enemy will get in there and he'll try to twist and, and he'll try to put detours and speed bumps in the way to do everything he can to keep you from going down God's uh, road and plan for your life. But listen to me, friend. Keep praying. Keep seeking God and be confident that God is going to make a way for you to succeed. He was confident. Nehemiah was confident. He was confident that God, who began a good work in him, was carried out into the completion until the day of Jesus Christ comes. That's Philippians 1.6. Nehemiah was confident that God was able to do far above what he could ever even ask or imagine. Hadn't you been praying about something and you got your mind on how it should work out and then God shows up and he does it a different way and then even blesses you even more? I might be the only one, I guess. Hello. Man, he'll do, he'll do far above what you could ever ask or imagine. Nehemiah was confident in God. Listen, you can be confident in God today. Be confident that God is going to help you with your family. Be, be confident that God is going to supply all your needs. Be confident that God's going to show up and he's going to bring encouragement in your life. Be confident that your children are going to be saved and they're going to walk with the Lord. Be confident that God is going to help you along the way. He was confident he was confident in God's faithfulness. I preached that Wednesday night, great is thy faithfulness. Aren't you grateful for the faithfulness of God today? 
Listen, he's confident that whatever he's going into, I'm going into some walls that are crumbled. I'm going into some gates that are on fire. I'm going to be around some people that are all messed up in life, but I'm going with confidence because I know God's going to go with me. Hallelujah. I don't know if you've ever heard of the great missionary before, David Livingston. He said these words right here. He said, God, send me anywhere, only go with me. Send me anywhere you want me to go, God, but just go with me wherever I go. Man, that's a great prayer to pray right there, isn't it? Send me anywhere, God, but only go with me. He knew there was power in prayer, Nehemiah did. And listen, if we're going to succeed in carrying out God's mission, we got to spend time in, with our own lives individually and we got to corporately come together and we got to seek God in prayer. We got to seek God in prayer. And tomorrow night is a perfect opportunity. At 7 o'clock tomorrow night, we're having FaceTime, which is a church prayer gathering, where we come in and gather around the altar and we seek the face of God. We seek Him through worship, worshipful prayer. We seek Him in praying for the lost souls in our community. And when we gather around this altar tomorrow, we're going to be praying with confidence that God is going to save our lost loved ones. We're going to pray with confidence that God is going to continue to show us the way to go as a church to reach our community we're going to pray we're going to pray and if you really have a concern and a compassion for the lost then you'll make time to be here to help pray for those that are lost and pray for this church let me ask you this question do you think the world's going to gather tomorrow night at seven o'clock and pray for your lost loved ones do you think the world's going to gather tomorrow night and, and, and pray for the direction on which way to, we should go in reaching the lost in our communities? Do you think the world's going to do it? No, but God has called the church to be a house of prayer for all the nations, and we're to gather and we're to pray with confidence knowing God is going to hear us. Hallelujah. He's going to hear us. Game changers come to God in prayer with confidence. You come with compassion and you come with confidence. And then I'm going to finish right here. Nehemiah was compassionate and he was confident in God through prayer and he was also courageous. He was courageous. He was risking his life by going before the king. Do you realize what I'm saying? This man, he had a, a job. He was a butler. Do you know exactly what his job was? He was on the security detail for the king. When food was brought in for the king to eat or something to drink, he had to taste it first in case somebody was trying to poison the king. Yeah, that's what I said. Mm. And the king relied on him a lot. He, I mean, this was part of the security detail for the king. And listen, when you went before the king, it didn't matter if you had a bad night and you and your spouse got in an argument or the kids done something to drive you crazy. When you walked into the presence of the king, you better have a smile on your face. You better be smiling. You better be happy because it all depends on the king and keeping him lifted up and, and meeting his needs. And the book tells us here, the good book, the Bible tells us that Nehemiah walked in and the king saw sadness. He was risking his life because the mission, the burden was on his heart, but he was willing to risk his own life for the mission that God had placed in his heart. Are you willing to risk your own life for the mission God's placed in your life? That's a tough question. But I want to tell you this. Courageous people are risk takers. 
And Nehemiah was a risk taker. And listen, you know I live in that place we call Realville. And I know sometimes we can stand up here and we can get happy and we can shout and, you know, we worship and we hear the word and our faith is encouraged. And then we can go out the door and 30 minutes later, guess what? Fear tries to rise up in our life. Fear try to rise up in our life, but I know that the word of God, it encourages us and our, uh, God's people not to live as slaves of fear, but to live out a bold, godly, courageous life. The word of God says, do not be afraid. Fear not, for I'm with you. We got to have courageous risk takers if we're going to get in the game. Last week, I'm getting ready to close here. We were away on vacation a few, I guess it was last week. I don't know, time's just all crazy now. But just a few weeks ago, we were away on vacation. And, and I'm talking about being a risk taker. I don't know, my little son, he's, uh, Lucas, is, he's not a daredevil. Don't tell him I said that. He's not really much of a daredevil. He likes his little comfort around him. He don't really like to do a whole lot. You have to push him to really step out and do something new. Well, we had a trip planned. It was a snorkeling excursion. And I think my wife must have got it at half price. Because when we got on the boat, it was a boat like I had never seen before and the gear kind of looked worn out and the guys that were driving the boat, I don't even know if they were even legally supposed to be driving a boat. <laughs> but it was nice view. We got on the boat and we took off and you could just kind of see, Lucas, we're getting ready to go snorkeling. They're taking us way out and kind of away from the land and we're getting out there around uh, the little reef there and, and there's... They're parking this boat and there's this large platform and you got to put on all the gear. You got this uh, life vest that they give you. You got the, uh, the, 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 gar the goggles and the snorkel and then you got the, the flipper. You know, you're walking like this right here. And so we pull up out there and we're in this unknown waters and they're telling us about all these different fish and there's, you can see jellyfish everywhere in different places. And then the guy says, hey man, y'all come here. And we get on the edge and there's a platform there. And then you have to jump off that boat. You have to jump off the boat. Just jump and go feet first out into the water. And it's like, well, who's going to go first? <clears throat> and so I went, and I went ahead and jumped. And then I saw Lucas. I saw Lucas. And you could see the fear in his eyes. I'm not kidding. You could see the fear in his eyes. He's like, I got to jump off this boat. I got to jump off this boat. And he's standing there. And I'm thinking, Lord, help this boy jump off this boat. <laughs> we pay this money. I'm going to kill him if he don't jump this boat. <laughs> And I saw him, and Lucas, man, he just stood there a minute, and I heard the guy say, all right, man, jump. <laughs> I like saying that. <laughs> and Lucas, man, he just lunged right off out there, feet first, right into the water, and landed out there. And he told us later on that was the best thing that he ever done. He had the most fun. And it reminded me, this is where the preacher kicks in. Everywhere you go, this is what... You know what? That's how we are sometimes. We got the comfort of the boat up there and there's so much space up there and we're secure up there. But sometimes we get onto a place where God's wanting us to do something and sometimes you just got to jump. Sometimes you just got to jump. You got to jump in faith. You got to jump out of your comfort zone and jump out there where God's working, where God's at so you can enjoy the blessings of what God has for your life. Come on. You got to jump. <clears throat> 
And Nehemiah, he had the luxury of the king's palace. He had the comfort of the king's palace. But he was willing to be a risk taker and step out of his comfort zone and do something great for the glory of God. And here's my question as I begin to wind down. Are you willing, are you willing to leave your luxury? Are you willing to leave your comfort to carry out the assignment that God has placed on your heart? Because there's a lot of people in this church doing that right now. There's a lot of people that are stepping out of their comfort zone and letting God use them uh, for whatever assignment he's called them for. I thought about the ones that are the risk takers. Crystal Grant, where are you at? Stand up, Crystal. I, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'm going to. Stand up. Listen, God placed a burden on her heart for some kids in our community and now because of a burden and now because of a risk taker with the courage and the confidence in God, now we have a bus ministry bringing in kids from all over the community. Hallelujah, thank you for being a risk taker. The, 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 the Royal Ranger leaders and the impact leaders that are uh, working with these kids on Wednesday nights, I know it's tough, I know it's hard, but they're willing to take a risk and they're willing to have confidence in God that this, this time with these kids is going to make a, an impact on them that's going to touch them forever for the glory of God. There's some risk takers in this church. I thought about Pastor John, Pastor Kevin, and Pastor Hannah, and, and uh, Robin and Lisa, the, the risk they take uh, when you leave everything behind to come on staff to, to serve in the church. There's a risk there, man. There's a risk and a confidence in God to believe him that he's going to supply all your needs. I thought about the, the risk takers that work with our kids, Melissa and Hope and Kelly and so many others, Ray and Betty. I could just name them on and on. People that are willing to invest in these kids, their time and their energy, they're risking everything to invest in these kids, but look what God is doing. I thought about our Celebrate Recovery here in the church. Man, the courage, these people that are willing to step out of their comfort zone that are coming out here every Thursday night to open up the doors and open up their arms to people who are walking through the doors that are hooked on heroin, that are broken, that are all messed up, that need Jesus. But here they are. I'm going to risk it all because I want to be useful to the glory of God. <laughs> Pastor Kevin, if you'll come, help me, sir. I just want to close here by telling you, friend, listen, it's game time. It's game time. And we got to get in the game for God, friend. Listen to me. I want to live a significant life. I want to be useful to glory of God. I want my life to point to Jesus in everything that I do. Don't you want that? And it's game time. The walls have crumbled in our communities. Some of the gates are on fire and people are living in despair. And like Nehemiah, he recognized it's game time and I want God to make me a game changer and I want to get in for his glory. How about you, friend? Do you want that for your life? Do you want to be a game changer for God? Do you, then you need compassion. You, you need the compassion of God. You need to be confident that God can use you as you pray and seek him. And you need to have the courage, friend. You need to have the courage. You need to have the courage. Are you willing to take a risk for God? Here's what I honestly believe happens sometimes. I believe we get in our prayer closet sometimes and I believe we pray, God, would you please move? Would you please move? Would you please move? Would you please move? When God's wanting us to move. He's wanting some of you to move. He's wanting some of you to take a risk for his glory so you can be used in a mighty way and you can experience him in a fresh and new way like you never had before, all for his glory. It's game time. I said it's game time.
If you don't believe we're living in the last days, friend, you need to wake up. It's game time. We need, to, we need to get serious about the business of God and his business is about winning souls and making disciples for the kingdom of God. It's about the church growing and the kingdom advancing. It's time for us to get serious about God's business. I'm trying not to preach next Sunday sermon right now, but it's wanting to come out. I don't believe we'll ever experience the fullness of God until we're willing to just begin to just jump for the Lord, jump out of our comfort zone and begin to take risk for Him. What's God saying to you? I know what He's saying to you. He's saying we need some Nehemiahs today. We need some Nehemiahs today, sir, ma'am. We, need, we still need some Nehemiahs today. Some people that have become broken and burdened for the needs in our community and who will be willing to stand up and begin to pray with confidence and then jump out there for the glory of God. Hallelujah. God's still looking for Nehemiahs today. Will you be a Nehemiah? Will you be a Nehemiah? Will you be a Nehemiah? Will you love all people? Will you, will you come into the church? Will you find people you don't know and you begin to love on people you don't even know when you go into the community? Will you begin to love on people that really just rub you the wrong way at work and at school? Will you love everybody? Will you be a Nehemiah? Will you be kind and compassionate to one another? Will you be confident in God that he hears and answers our prayers? And will you be courageous? Would you stand with me, please? <clears throat> Here's what I want us to do. This is our altar call right here. This is how the altar call is going to go. We're going to pray right now and we're going to devote ourselves to being Nehemiahs. If you want to be a Nehemiah, would you just kind of lift your hands up to the Lord like this right here? Come on. Come on. Can you, come on. Can you make just some effort to show the Lord and say, Lord, I, I want to be a Nehemiah. I want to be a Nehemiah. I want to be a Nehemiah. I want to pray for you right now that God will just fill you with his compassion, fill you with his confidence and you'll have the courage to do what God has given you to do and as we pray we're going to give it all to the Lord right now send me Lord put me in the game Lord I'll go use me just send me anywhere you want me to go just go with me God Father right now in the name of Jesus we pray Lord for every man and woman here that's gathered God that you would just make us into Nehemiah's Nehemiahs that are full of compassion Nehemiahs that have confidence in you God that you can do far above what we could ever ask or imagine God Nehemiahs that have the courage to be willing to risk their life for the mission all for your glory God help us today God every man every woman fill us all with your Holy Spirit right now fill us oh Lord fill us oh God it's game time we're in the last days and it's time for the church to step up and be Nehemiahs oh God Lord, help me as a preacher, God. Help me, Lord, to be a Nehemiah, God. <clears throat> God, I pray that you would just touch every life, every heart in here today, right now. God, that we would have your compassion. Give us more compassion. Right there where you are, friend, just pray that God would baptize you with his love right now. A love for all people. A love for all people. A love for my family. A love for my friends. A love for complete strangers. Love, God. Just right now, we need more compassion in our life. Fill us, Lord. Fill us right now. Fill us, oh God. 
And God, I pray, Lord, that we would not waver and we would not doubt you, God, but we would stand with confidence right now as we pray. We pray, Lord, for the people in our community. We pray for those that are hurting today. We pray for our brothers and sisters that are here in this place that are struggling. We pray with confidence, God, that you will be there with them, that you will go with them, and that you will help them in all areas of their life. And, Lord, we pray, God, that you would give us that boldness when fear begins to creep in. God, I pray right now that we would just stand and walk in love and boldness, God, courage to take that jump for your glory. God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we